This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Good evening, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you late in the evening on Thursday, August 4th. You guys might be hearing this on the morning of August 5th. And Brendan, we are in a post-trade deadline world. And though the Cardinals did not acquire the services of Juan Soto, they did not need them to sweep the Chicago Cubs this week in St. Louis. You know, I forgot the Cubs had baseball games. There's just so much going on, Corey, with the post-trade deadline stuff, a reshuffled roster. it's, It's an afterthought, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, so we have a ton to talk about. A lot. Um, The... Cubs and Cardinals rained out on Wednesday, so we get a doubleheader on Thursday. Uh, we do have, uh, we will touch on the, on the trade deadline a little bit in the context of Jed Hoyer speaking on the radio on Thursday afternoon, so kind of want to look at what he said. Some of that relates to the trade deadline, some of that relates to things going forward, so we will touch on that. If you want uh, kind of full uh, trade deadline reaction live and a little bit after, I was in the studio live with Luke and Cody for like three hours on Tuesday. Brendan and Ryan Herrera joined us in the post game for a little, you know, aftermath reaction. Uh, So there's like three hours of of content on the podcast feed and YouTube uh, for kind of that live Wilson Hap staying, bullpen guys going reaction. Uh, And I think today what we'll end up doing, Brendan, is looking at it in the context of of Jed's comments and, you know, having a couple days to let it breathe. Wilson had a very nice series in Chicago. He said he feels very relaxed and glad to just be able to focus on baseball. So, uh, but we we also have the, the Cubs have a ton as we've uh, kind of talked about throughout the CHGO Cubs content team. The Cubs have a ton of roster decisions to make coming up, Brendan, uh, related to the forty man, the Rule Five draft this off season, and in the immediate, who's playing and where they're playing on a daily basis. Yeah, that's really where I'm owning in on. I want to see how Ross uses the infield 
orientation, how he uses this void in the bullpen, having now, while so many guys, basically half your bullpen is gone, you're getting an influx of guys from AAA, and what guys weeks from now could be part of this roster. So there's so much to talk about. And then that's separate from the actual new players they got, such as Wisniewski and some of these bullpen guys and even getting guys off of uh, the waiver wire. So there's just like, there's so many moving parts right now. I'm going to be exhausted. We're going to be exhausted by the time this podcast is over. Thursday was also a big day for the system. A ton of guys just going off. Alexander Canario, homering, uh, PCA, making some big-time catches in the outfield. Just the usual. Th- there's a ton going on. Let, let's go into these Jed Hoyer comments. The The Cubs were swept by the Cardinals. Not super exciting. Uh, the Cubs scored five runs in three games. We will recap some of that. I do want to talk about Marcus Stroman's performance uh, in the first game on Thursday, maybe a little bit of Keegan Thompson's struggles back on Tuesday. Uh, some of the, the positions that we did see guys playing in this series. Uh, but I, I, I think the, the Jed Hoyer stuff was earlier, and I, I kind of want to touch on that first, and then we can kind of yeah. move on from the trade deadline, so to speak, at least for the moment. We're, we're not going to be able to move on from it because now we're just going to be wondering what they're going to do with Wilson for <laughs> the next two months, uh, <laughs> as Jed Hoyer alluded to on the radio. But Jed was on 670 The Score on Thursday morning, and he touched on pretty much everything. I think the main takeaway for me, Brennan, now that we are a couple days removed from the initial maybe shock, I guess, of Wilson staying, uh, was that to some in the industry and seemingly Jed, it was not that much of a shock, despite how much of a foregone conclusion it seemed to be. And you and me talked with Luke and Cody the other day about, you know, could the front office have done a better job of maybe sparing those two from some of that? Is that kind of out of their hands? Jed actually mentioned that he did speak to, uh, I think, their representation and, you know, said, like, this is not uh, a sure thing. You know, yeah. uh, they they were, he, he says that he told their camps or them specifically, you know, we're not going to move you guys for pennies on the dollar. So it's not a foregone conclusion that this is something that happens. Now, you know, Marquee Network was still drumming that up, all of the reporters drumming that up. So, you know, I'm not sure how much Jed's saying that is going to spare them from that, but it was interesting to hear him say that. It was. I don't think that meant much because he saw the reaction from the players, and that's all you need to know. So from Wilson's and Ian's perspective, they, they thought they were gone. And the media narrative overwhelmed Jed's communication with their agents. So I don't know if like how here's a, here's a weird thing. I don't know how like influential that is to their player performances. Of course, it sucks that they have to go through that. Uh, but in the moment, you know, like it, it, they seem fine. Wilson's now relaxed. It's really unfortunate. And maybe going in the future, they can, you know, the front office can learn how to better handle this type of scenario. But I do think they're both, Ian and Wilson are both beyond this. And I don't think it's going to affect their play in the immediate. We already saw Wilson go off today. Right. I don't think it's going to affect their decision during the offseason either. So it's just a, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but I don't think it's really that influential to the broader picture here. 
Yeah, Wilson did only had a walk in the second game of the doubleheader, but he was one for two with a triple in the first game of this series on Tuesday, and then in game one of the doubleheader on Thursday, he was two for five with a home run. Not surprising to see him immediately start to play better. He's obviously someone yeah. who I think the emotions can kind of affect him uh, for better or worse, uh, oftentimes for the better, but sometimes for the worse. And I think we saw that throughout July that it was really weighing on him. So that wasn't surprising. Uh, the, the other, you know, big takeaway, again, Jed reiterating on the radio that he is not going to talk about the extension stuff. Uh, he did mention, you know, with Ian, we, he, he said, quote, we definitely have him for next year. Uh, he, on Wilson, he said, Wilson's a free agent and that process has to play out. I, I wouldn't read too much into that. I, I don't think that means anything. Maybe they'll talk with him. Maybe they won't. The, the thing that I keep going to, and we did touch on this a little bit on Tuesday, Brendan, is that this qualifying offer situation is going to be really interesting. It is. Uh, if you read into what a lot of teams, beat writers were putting out, some national writers, and even Jed sort of talking about the difficulty of moving a catcher midseason, the difficulty of integrating into a pitching staff, and and like I said, reading some of those quotes from around the league that Wilson's defensive catching is not exactly super highly thought of. Um, That's going to be very interesting. If if they put the QO on him and he declines, it is going to harm his market. There's no question about that. It's going to limit the number of teams that are looking at him, just like we've seen for many other guys in these previous off seasons. I I wonder though, Brendan, do you do you think it's possible? And this is not something I considered the other day. Do you (laughs) think it's possible that we end up in a scenario where his best decision is to take the qualifying Mm. offer? I, I don't know. There's a lot of directions that this can go towards. The like the the thinking for me is so different now than it was three days ago. Like the the fact that you hear so many executives talk about Wilson's defense being a problem. We kind of knew that. We know the frame is in the bottom tenth percentile, but my thinking was his offense would overwhelm those defensive shortcomings. And from his market and from Jed not making the trade, clearly it's more important than, than I thought it was. So what does that mean for his free agent value come this offseason? Maybe it's not going to be in that Real Muto type field. Real Muto is a top defensive framer. He is fast. He has an offensive profile that might appear to age better than Wilson's. So my thinking was, as this season was going along, because Wilson was around for the majority of the season prior to July, a 400 Woba, I'm thinking he's going to go above that. And now, given the market shaping up the way it did, hearing executives or those connected to executives uh, suggest that they're hesitant about Wilson, I don't I don't. I don't know what that well, means. Well, and watching market. playoff teams trade for defensive catchers at the right. deadline, but not right. Wilson. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's where that's where his market's going to have to play out. Uh, now, the question that I have that I'm thinking about after hearing Jed's comments about it being difficult to trade catchers in in the middle of the season, if he knew that, then my thinking is, all right. Well, how urgent was? exploring Wilson trades right. during last offseason. And yeah. that's where I think we kind of we can kind of really dig into whether it was a good idea or not to keep him to start right. this season, right? And we're never going to know. We're you never going to know. Of course, you know, you could have looked into that at the last deadline or in the offseason, but 
you know, then you're talking about the timing where at different points, maybe you're hoping to be more competitive. And so you wouldn't want to do that. And then things change and maybe you wish you had done that. It's, it's a little complicated. It's, it's hard to know exactly, uh, what the right thing to do would be, but that's going to be interesting. You know, how does he value himself going forward and how do, do the Cubs even engage in some kind of extension talk, or are they just committed to that QO process? He did reiterate, Jed, in this interview on Thursday morning that they were not going they were not going to trade either of those two guys for someone who was not going to be a piece of what he keeps referring to as the next great Cubs team. So yeah. earlier, you know, kind of used that phrase, trading them for pennies on the dollar. But this is something he said the other night on Marquee, and he stuck to this point. Uh, we were not going to get in front of the fan base and explain that we traded one of these guys for someone that we could not honestly look everybody in the eye and tell them, you know, this is going to be a big piece, which is not the case from last year right? Like if they look and they say, hey, we think PCA is going to be a big piece, they mean it, right? And right now they look correct about that. Very correct. You look at Canario or some of these other guys, you know, Owen Casey when they traded you Darvish, etc. There's a ton of these names. They apparently did not receive offers that were of that quality and they were not going to do it otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so now you proceed on this process of potentially exploring an extension uh, if you can agree on the value from both camps or going this qualifying offer route, which he may decline and, and have a, a worsened market and free agency or accept if he and his agent believe that that market isn't going to be there and that, you know, $18 million value or whatever that ends up being for the qualifying offer is going to be more money than he might make on the open market. That's what we're going to have to see. So as far as some of the other stuff that he talked about in this interview, uh, he did note that they spoke to the Angels about Shohei Otani when those rumors kind of came. Obviously, Shohei was not moved, but that's something that was talked about. And he did check in on Juan Soto, but reiterating stuff that he said before, Brendan, that he just did not feel as though this moment was the time to execute a trade like that for someone like Soto that would have, you know, really taken a, a, a hit to the top of their prospect rankings and probably uh, some of their major league talent as well. And, uh, you know, I think his sort of exact sentiment was you have to have a real structure, a real foundation built to make that kind of transaction. I think the Padres, they believe this is their window and they are absolutely ready to win the World Series right now. And they paid a really heavy price to do that, to get one of the best hitters we'll ever see. We are not right now in a position as an organization to do that. He also said now, would we have entertained that sort of thing in 2016, 2017, 2018? 18. Absolutely. Do I look forward at some point in the next few years feeling differently? Absolutely. Uh, there's going to be some people that are going to hear that 16, 17, 18 thing and bring up the name Bryce Harper. And they're, you know, that wasn't a trade, but they're going to take some issue with that. <laughs> you know, like definitely yeah. we would have done that a few years ago. Um, the other thing that he talked about as it relates to all of this is that his focus is on building a team that is competing for championships, not a team that is in that kind of middle ground and just hoping to uh, 
get a wild card spot, right? Like he he sort of explained it as the thing that excites him and, and gets him to jump out of bed in the morning is competing for championships and, and being a part of legitimate threats to win the World Series, not just sneaking into the playoffs or limping into the playoffs and stuff like that. So whether you trust everything that Jed says, whether you buy into this whole plan, however you feel about it, that is the line he is putting out. And it's he has, at the very least, been consistent in the way he has spoken about his vision for this team, maybe not so consistent about what that timeline is. Yeah, and the the timeline is where I believe you can have criticism if you want to criticize Jed's process. The timing of, for example, not signing an ace last offseason with the anticipation of a competitive window next season might have been a miss. Missing on Kevin Gossman last year may have been a miss. Missing on Rodon, although he's probably going to decline that option for this season, that might have been a miss. And then not trading Wilson last, last offseason in anticipation that his market would not be robust, this this trade deadline may have been a miss as well. So I think that's where you can really nitpick here. Overall, though, the the guys he got back in these trades, we're talking about Wisniewski, we're talking about Brown, we're talking about uh, even Saul Gonzalez, who has a lot of work to do, but you can at least understand the process. It seems it seems understandable. You can see what they're trying to do. And when it comes to that direction, I I respect it. I am a little worried though that because we don't know as fans the realistic potential of Wilson being extended prior to October, I I do have concern that we're going to walk away come January, February, whenever Wilson signs and be really displeased with how this was handled. We we may lose Wilson for the 70th overall draft pick, whatever it ends up being, after that draft pick compensation. That may be the outcome. And I I know for certain, Corey, the majority of fans will not accept that as an outcome. They will right. be really upset about that. Yes. Oh, no question. Uh, so finishing up on Jed's interview on 670, the score, he did also talk about the, the Scott Efros trade. I feel like we've talked about that a lot uh, yeah. between... Uh, you and I and uh, Luke Cody and Ryan. Uh, but, you know, he did kind of reiterate that Scott Efros was great and they don't want to imply that, you know, they can just churn guys like that out or replace him. But he did reiterate uh, a, a real confidence in their pitching infrastructure and that that is part of the calculus. And As it should be. They, they were really, really pleased with the offer that they received from the Yankees. There was a ton of interest, and they felt like it was the right move to make, you know, for where the organization is at. Uh, but but they do have a ton of confidence in their, their pitch lab. The last thing uh, from this interview that I thought was noteworthy, he was asked directly if we would see Brennan Davis or Miguel Amaya in Chicago. His exact words, probably not, candidly. Uh, he said on Amaya, he's been hitting great for Double A Tennessee, but he's not going to be ready defensively to come up in Chicago. 
uh, that being because of the Tommy John recovery process. They're right. obviously being pretty careful with that and how they're getting him back in there. And so it just doesn't seem to be something uh, in the cards there if he's not going to be able to catch and, and get that experience. With Brennan Davis, uh, you know, he reiterated that it's good news that the surgery was not on his discs in his back. So it is something that they expect a full recovery on. But he went on to say that we need him to get him back uh, the at-bats that he lost in the minor leagues so far this year in the time that he has been out, uh, and then hopefully figure out what he can do in the fall to make sure that this didn't stall his development by not getting enough plate appearances. Uh, he reiterates that they have you know, still a very strong belief in both of them, and the future is bright for both of them, uh, but that it is unlikely to expect them in Chicago by the end of the season. So that is disappointing, but uh, especially really with both of them, but I think especially with Brennan, given just how uncertain that was when the news first came out, it, 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 they're both on track to be playing. Amaya obviously yeah. is. Brennan is supposed to be getting back in Arizona, I think, very soon, I think in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so if you can, you know, again, make up for that time, maybe see if they can do some some fall ball or whatever and, you know, continue to help their development. It at least is not a, a full lost season, which uh, I think would, would be the real bummer here. So, you know, a, a little bit of good and bad with that last part. Absolutely. Okay, quick break here for a sponsor of PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. See and imagine the game you're watching is your favorite team prime for a comeback. Don't just watch the game, bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet live with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Our next part partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to kickstart my day with complete nutrition. And I said this before, I'm not that big of a breakfast guy. I've been on this for a few months now and I do love it. This product, Athletic Greens, does not really taste super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical, maybe a citrus taste. I don't know. It's kind of like a like uh, those those Skittles, those like very citrusy Skittles um, that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? It's one scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. I get that noticeable boost of energy. So I take it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're a keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, or dairy-free. You're all good with AG1. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance for three 
less than three bucks a day. It's recommended by professional athletes and has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CHGO Cubs. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CHGO Cubs to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Brendan, so let's jump into this St. Louis series. I think that wraps up the the trade deadline discussion, at least for you and I, uh, at least for now. You know, the Wilson thing is going to be ever persisting until some sort of resolution is made there, so just sort of buckle in for that over the next couple months, but that is what it is. Um, What we do know is that the Cubs were swept in St. Louis, which is not exactly so much fun run through this real quick uh, just to remind you of the fun that we had over the last few days. It was six to nothing on Tuesday, a rough one for Keegan Thompson, four and two-thirds, ten hits, five earned runs, two walks, one strikeout, two home runs allowed on the evening for Keegan, so that was not so great. Uh, The first game on Thursday, again after Wednesday, was rained out. The Cubs dropping this one 4-3. The Cubs led 3-0 in this one, but the wheels would fall off the bus. Really nice outing for Marcus Stroman. Six and two-thirds, five hits, three earned, zero walks, and six strikeouts. Probably went a little longer than he should have. He only throws 91 pitches, but remember, you know, he's uh, missed some time with injury and and COVID and stuff, and I, I I believe it's been a while since he's gone seven innings. So, Probably could have taken him out after six innings, but given that you're in a doubleheader and you just traded basically the entirety of your major league bullpen, I think David uh, opted to let Stroman stay out there. He does give up three runs in that seventh inning, so the Cardinals tie it, and then they win it in the ninth. Brandon Hughes with a really nice outing here, though. One and a third, no hits, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. Uh, So pausing here. Uh, the, the Cubs getting their runs in this one also, by the way. Wilson Contreras' 15th home run of the season. Seiya Suzuki with an RBI single and a Patrick Wisdom sack fly. Pausing here, Brendan, this is a, this was a really nice start for Marcus Stroman. It, 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 you know, looks a little worse because he goes back out there to try to get through seven innings, uh, which again, on a, a normal night, not a doubleheader, not post-trade deadline, I think you probably don't have him do that. Uh, but when you look at some of Stroman's numbers, I, I know that he had that one big time blow up outing and, uh, you know, maybe one or two of those outings in the rain in April or whatever. Uh, but the body of work here looks really, really good. Uh, and the peripherals look really good. His FIP is 3.62. Uh, excuse me, 3.76, which was one of the better numbers in his career. Uh, His expected FIP, if you're looking at those numbers, is 3.31. Again, FIP is fielding independent pitching, looking at walks, strikeouts, and home runs, the things that, quote-unquote, the pitcher can control, right? So kind of trying to remove the defense batted balls from the equation. Uh, The ERA at four is not where you'd like it to be, but I don't think that tells the whole story. And as we always say, you can't take out the uh, 
the blow up start, right? It happened. You have to include everything in the full picture. But the numbers look really, really good if you do do take out that one start. And I think, you know, because this is someone who you have in your rotation next year, I I think if we're getting this version of Marcus Stroman, I I think he's in for a really nice rest of the 2022 season and a really nice 2023 coming up for the Cubs. Yeah, he's maybe the most dynamic starter the Cubs have had since you Darvish in that he has so many pitch types and he keeps showcasing them on a start-to-start basis. If you look at all the new school metrics like Stuff Plus, his slider, his cutter, his four-seam are well above league average. His cutter in particular is better than almost 90% of pitchers by Stuff Plus. His slider is better than almost 85% of pitchers by Stuff Plus. And his four-seam is better than about 65% of starters by Stuff Plus. And that's with velocity that's not top tier. So he has that unique release point to go with all these pitch types. And you saw that on display against the Cardinals. And as you said, they did have him go in the seventh inning to try to get out of there. You have a doubleheader the next day. It, it just didn't work for him. But before that, he was looking great. He was showing that sinker. He was showing that slider, that cutter, that splitter. And Corey, he has elevated sinkers more this year, not maybe like exclusively towards the top of the zone, but there is a big chunk of sinkers thrown in on the hands to, uh, to batters, which is encouraging and is in line with what they've been trying to do with other Cubs pitchers. So with Stroman, if he continues to do this, if he continues to look healthy, which he has been in the past several starts now, you have to feel great about him going into next year. And we'll see what they do with the rotational depth. And we'll see what they do with maybe adding a top shelf starter next season. But he is an anchor. He is a stable. And he has proven that most of the time in his Cubs uniform with unorthodox ramp up periods and injuries. Yeah, a 1.67 ERA and five outings since returning from the injured list. Uh, I, look, I think if you get those six shutout innings from Marcus today, you probably call it a day there. And if you still had uh, the the back end of your bullpen that you had a few days ago, I I think the Cubs probably win this game, and maybe they you know have themselves a, a three to nothing shutout win, right? Yeah. Different world, not a big deal. The the peripherals and how Marcus is performing is what matters here, and in, in you know the the stuff looks really good, and the results have been really good lately. So I think that is definitely something to be pleased about and excited about. Continuing to pause on game one of the doubleheader. Uh, actually, let me just wrap up with game two because it's it's a 7-2 to two win for the Cardinals, so we might as well just get the, the stats <laughs> right, out of the way. Uh, Sean Newcomb gets the start. David Bodie is optioned, so that is part one of yep. some of the roster stuff we have to talk about. Uh, Madrigal is back, so Bodie is optioned. Newcomb comes up and gets this start. Three innings, five hits, two runs, no walks, one strikeout. Mark Leiter Jr. follows him, two innings, uh, no hits, no runs, but he did walk three guys. Um, The Cubs getting their runs in this one on a home run from Patrick Wisdom, number 20 for Patrick Wisdom, so good for him, uh, continuing to do what he does best, and Nelson Velasquez had an RBI single. You guys don't care how the Cardinals got their runs, I am sure of that. So, 
some interesting stuff, right? So Bodie being optioned is interesting part number one. You know, we knew that when they brought Nick Madrigal back, you got to play him, right? Because you have to see if he can get back to hitting at the major league level. Uh, He walked in the second game of the doubleheader and also had a strikeout in his two at-bats. No hits, no runs, no RBIs, just the walk and a strikeout and he did not play in the first game of the doubleheader. So that is his lone appearance in the series. Uh, The interesting thing, though, beyond that, Brendan, uh, with Madrigal coming back, you kind of figure there's not really much of a spot for David Bodie because you need to— Christopher Morrell is very flexible, but you need to play him somewhere, right? You brought over McKinstry in the trade with the Dodgers, so you want to get him out there. He can play multiple positions as well. But if you're intent on playing Nick Madrigal and trying to get him going at the major league level, there's not really room for David Bodie. And frankly, like on my end, you know, we kind of know what the deal is there. We do. Right? You have the option, so you go for it. it. I think that's pretty simple. But what really struck out, and they talked about a little bit this before the games on Thursday, Patrick Wisdom plays first base in the game, uh, in game one of the doubleheader with McKinstry at third base, Nico at uh, shortstop. Yeah, shortstop. Yeah. So, and then uh, Bodie is plays in in the first game, but then is uh, optioned. So, wisdom at short is uh, at short. Uh, that's don't, getting really don't, crazy. Don't do that to me now. Yeah. yeah at first <laughs> is the interesting thing to me because you have got to figure out a way to play these guys. We talked about a little bit of this on Tuesday, and I think uh, Cody, Luke, and Ryan talked about this in the rain, the rain out show, as it ended up being on Wednesday, that you didn't move position players, right? You, you didn't trade Ortega. You didn't trade Wisdom. You didn't trade Happy. You didn't trade Wilson. So these guys have to play somewhere. And there's not too many spots. Saya's going to play every day, right? You need Christopher Morell getting out there. Hap's going to play every day. Wilson's going to catch her DH every day. And Gomes is going to be back there when he's not, or PJ Higgins. Like, you need somewhere to play all these guys. Madrigal's back. Yeah. Uh, so this seemed like a natural spot because I- I'll-, I'll tell you, man, I've said this before, like, Frank has been fun for a little over a year now. It was a fun story. Second half of last year was fun. He- he's got no spot on this team anymore. Uh, and I'm not really sure why he's still here, frankly. Um, but that's something they're going to have to address. But Patrick Wisdom playing first base more makes a lot of sense. It does. I, I was curious. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I was curious if they would even explore Hap at first base just to give more at-bats to Crook or whoever gets called up from AAA. Maybe um, you get more opportunities, even Velasquez on the roster. Maybe Morel gets more opportunities in the outfield now that you have Magical there. So that was my, my thinking process. Also, I've been interested in Wisdom playing first base in, in general. Now, he had a great defensive profile in 2021. His outs above average was better than basically three of every four third basemen. This season, I, I don't quite know how reliable these numbers are and these sample sizes, but his outs above average defensively is among the worst in the league, which doesn't align with my eye test, Corey. He looks he looks good out there. So I don't quite understand that, but in general, you can imagine a scenario next season 
where if they want this roster to be as dynamic as possible, then you may want to end up keeping McKinstry on the roster full-time. Of course, Morrell seems to be more or less a lock to start the season next year and get significant playing time unless they go out in free agency and boost the roster. So you have two guys in Morrell and McKinstry that need to find spots. They want to give Magical an opportunity to rebound after injuries. They invested a lot in him in terms of giving up Craig Kimbrough last season, so you know they want want to get the most out of that return. So it makes sense from my point of view. And there's also a curious side of me that wants to see McKinstry. Um, He has very weird numbers at the major league level so far in his career. He is 27 years old. His strikeout rate is double that of his minor league rate. He struck out almost 30% of the time in about 200 plate appearances over the last three seasons uh, with the Dodgers, whereas in the minors, he was only striking out in 15% of his plate appearances. Uh, He does appear to walk a decent amount last season and this season with uh, the AAA Dodgers team, he walked at a 12% rate and in about, what is this? In about 400 plate appearances, he hit 11 home runs. So he doesn't have like, you know, just a contact heavy approach. He can't slug the ball. So I'm thinking 27 years old, he just started his major league service clock. He can play every position, third base, second base, every alpha position, some shortstop if you need him. I want to give McKinstry a shot. He's kind of like a more versatile David Bodie. So I understand why Bodie was optioned to give more playing time to these guys. But I like the process they're taking. My my concern, if you want to call it that, is they're going to be spacing out these at-bats in such a way where these guys don't get like consistent, consecutive game playing time. And I wonder if that will be dis- I wonder if that will ultimately hurt some of these guys who are trying to adjust. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of juggling. Um, we're going to keep seeing Mandrigal at second. They're they're going to want to see what they have. How there. do you feel and about very, that? And at the very least, give it a fair shot. Say that again. How do you feel about that? Right. There's a lot of people who like are already sick of Madrigal, and they want to see like they want to see perhaps like Matt Mervis come up. They want to see um, you know someone try to take hold of that first base position. Maybe that is wisdom, and maybe McKinstry gets that shot. People are like really fed up with with seeing Nick Madrigal right yeah. now, Corey. Yeah, I mean, I. I understand. Look, you made the trade, and he's been hurt. You're going to want to see a a good chunk of playing time and really be able to make an evaluation on that. I, you know, in the off season, I felt people were pretty harsh on that. I remember a lot of people just having no interest in that. You know, once the season started, which I thought was unfair. You know, just given that he hadn't even played in a Cubs uniform yet, Um, having seen him. I'll admit to you all, like, and I'm, you know, I've eaten plenty of crow on this podcast before. Normally, you and I are always, you know, usually correct. Yeah, but 99.99%. Occasionally, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, you and yeah, I, we have to admit that we yeah. are wrong, right? It's a couple very times. rare. Very, very rare. Very, very rare. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we do. If we're wrong, we'll tell you we were wrong. I- I'll put it out there right now. I-, I don't see it, right? I'm not particularly into it. I, I, the, the value of, of the hit tool and someone who can hit for average, I, I, I get the thinking there. I get why you would prioritize that. Um, I just 
have not liked what I've seen. Especially in the context of the shortstop market, the middle infield market and free agency, right? So you have to figure out, okay, if you sign like Bogarts, where does Madrigal fit with Nico? Right. Like I just, you're going to need to see him really, really hit in these last couple months for me to have much of an interest in this. And just based on what we saw, you know, sort of in the early portion of the season, like I wouldn't bet on it. It's just not something I, I'm particularly interested in. But look, this end of the season is meaningless, right? So you might as well use the time and and see what you have and, you know, really make an honest evaluation. And, you know, obviously if he does perform to a certain level and you are or are not interested in his services to your roster, you can at least recoup some value uh, or have a guy on the bench that is uh, able to make high contact, things like that. But yeah, look, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like I'm not, I'm not particularly into it. If I'm, I'm being honest with you, I don't have a problem with them giving it a shot here with the runway that they have left in this season. Uh, All I care about in this last portion is that all of this has a purpose, right? So I want to see Velasquez get more playing time. He's got a 792 OPS in the limited opportunities we've had. We've seen some of the power, um, had an RBI in, in game two on Thursday. But like I I would like to know like can he be a bench guy you know next year can he be a guy that gets some some starts or platoon you know if that power can really play at the major league level and he can keep those numbers up enough to do it you got to give him playing time to figure that out I want to continue to see more on Christopher Morel and you know really know what you can expect of him uh, and also let him get more comfortable playing whatever position right. you want him to be playing right Saya needs to keep working through stuff. Um, you know, he's obviously been very up and down. He's swinging a lot more, I think, uh, since coming back from the injured list, taking a little bit of a different approach to kind of go back at how the league has decided to pitch him and adjust him with how patient he is. Uh, he's also been the unfortunate recipient of a lot of bad borderline calls by umpires. It's not it is it's the way the game is but it's also true uh, he's been punished for how good his eye is but he needs to be playing he needs to see it so to me the only thing that i really care about is and again it's it's nothing against these guys personally but like i andrelton simmons is rehabbing at iowa for some reason right i if he he should not play another game for the major league roster frank schwindel it's over, right? The experiment is is done. It's it has to be over with, right? Um, they updated that Jason Hayward is still dealing with you know some soreness or inflammation or whatever it is. That can't, you know he can't be taking playing time. Like all of the positions on a daily basis need to be guys that are getting looks for the future. So yeah. however you want to do that, I thought it was interesting that they could kind of start that with Wisdom at first base, McKinstry at third base. I think that's going to be something that they do uh, depending on the handedness of the pitcher, right? Um, That is all fine by me because I think you can justify that as getting looks for the future. There's some of this stuff, though, that it doesn't fit that, and that's the only place where I'm going to take issue with what they're doing. Okay, another break here from PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to make two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt 
of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And in case you did miss it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Well, so Brennan, I, I, just to finish up the kind of playing time discussion, roster discussion, um, I do want to go back to Matt Mervis. Matt Mervis is a guy we've talked about a lot, and I think he is a good example of the kind of tough decisions that this organization has to make in terms of how they're balancing their roster now and also heading into this offseason. So if they wanted to bring Matt Mervis up, Matt Mervis has been tearing it up on offense. He plays first base. You know, given the situation there, it does make some logical sense. The problem is that they would have to add him to the 40-man roster, uh, and he is not eligible for the Rule 5 draft. So if they add him to the 40-man roster, he's going to eat up one of those spots, and they do have a ton of guys, really interesting guys, that are going to be eligible for the Rule 5 draft um, yeah. and can be selected and taken by another team. So some of those guys, just to name a few, uh, and this is coming from our friends over at northsidebound.com, Kevin Alcantara, DJ Artis, Bryce Ball, Ben Brown, who was recently acquired from the Philadelphia Phillies for uh, David Robertson, Brendan Davis, Greg Dykeman, Luis Devers, Kevin Feliz, Cole Franklin, Richard Gallardo, Saul Gonzalez, who was another one that came over in one of those trades, Ryan Jensen, Levi Jordan, Brendan Little. The list goes on, right? So that's where this gets a little confusing. And also where you start to look at guys like maybe Frank Schwindel, Andrelton Simmons, etc., and wonder how much time they have because they are eating those spots on the 40-man roster. Now, you don't have to make all of those decisions now, but if you move Mervis now, he's going to be on the 40-man. So it complicates things. You have a lot of decisions to make, and that is going to affect how you're able to utilize all of this. Uh, so I don't know how you feel about that specifically, Brendan, but it, th- there's, there's a lot of talent in this organization uh, and a lot of people we want to see get some playing time, but it's, it's going to require a little bit of you know, maneuvering some pieces on the chessboard here for the Cubs front office. It is. I, I I want them to be as aggressive as possible in filling voids on this roster. And the big void right now appears to be one of them at, at first base. So with Mervis, the 40-man spot is a problem because, as you mentioned, no team can snag him because he's not Rule 5 eligible. So the Cubs process right now appears to be, okay, just got called up to Double A, has 50 plate appearances in Triple A right now, batting 233, not striking out, which is great, has two home runs in Triple A, which is great, Woba 354, but maybe they want him to match some of those Double A numbers, that batting average perhaps, maybe continue to show uh, some of the slugging that he's been 
able to impress many scouts and fans with. So I understand their thinking. Just kind of wait as long as possible. He still just got to Iowa. He still needs to get comfortable with seeing a slightly more advanced pitching staff. So I, I get that. My thinking is in three weeks, two weeks, whatever it is, if he is really doing well in AAA, then the thinking has to be that he is going to get a shot next season at some point. So that roster spot, that 40-man roster spot, if they really believe that he is going to get a chance next year, it's going to have to be taken up anyway at, at some point. Now, some of the younger guys who are Rule 5 eligible that you listed off there, they're not going to get snagged by a team because they have so much more development to go. And they have to be on the major league roster for Rule 5 eligible, right? right? So that is... A concern for maybe guys who are so close to the to the big leagues, you can think of like Brennan Davis, or I'm sorry, Brendan Little on on that list, right? Like he may be close to big league action. There might be a team who is like, you know what? I see a lot of potential in Brennan Little, even though the stats are not there. I want to give him a shot on a rebuilding team like the Cubs have done so many times in the past few years here. Like they're doing with Curvin Castro right now. So I I I get the concern, but. I hope that that concern does not substitute for aggression because I want them to try the absolute most to get this first base situation handled and give this front office as much data as possible to inform what they do at that position this offseason. Yeah, it's it's a little difficult. So, And, and just I, I went to Wikipedia and I'm wow. going to read the eligibility for the Rule 5 draft. I figure that might be the most concise way to find a definition for this, right? Like, I, I think a lot of you probably already know what it is or have some familiarity, but I just want to read uh, the, the most basic explanation I can find. Because some of this stuff is really complicated. Baseball has a way of making a lot of this stuff, especially with uh, player control, arbitration, all this stuff, of just being horribly complicated, right? It's not exactly... Uh, super interesting, I think, for a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how many of you like, you know, delving into bargaining agreements and labor, you know, issues and things like that when you're watching Hey, some people do, Corey. Uh, yeah, but baseball really leans into a lot they of that. Do. But the, the baseline explanation of Rule 5 eligibility, players are eligible for selection in the Rule 5 draft if they are not on the major league organization's 40-man roster and were 18 or younger on the June 5th preceding their signing, and this is the fifth Rule 5 draft upcoming, or were 19 or older on the June 5th preceding their signing, and this is the fourth Rule 5 draft upcoming. So again, it, it you, you, you're not going to know a lot of this about each individual minor leaguer or things like that off the top of your head, but you can find the list. Again, I, I went to our friends at Northside Bound, a great team of minor league writers over there. Greg Huss has been on the CHGO podcast with the guys before. Um, that's where those guys are. So the Cubs do have a lot of these decisions because you don't want to lose some of these guys. So you do need to get them on the 40-man or make some decisions there. So it's, yeah, they, they have some decisions to make. With Mervis, it's, yeah, it's weighing, do you want to get him some experience now at the major league level so you can kind of inform what your offseason looks like, or do you not want to take up that spot on the 40-man? So that's uh, something that they are going to have to decide, but that's where that is. Uh, speaking of some of these guys, though, I did mention that it was a really nice night for the minor league system. One of the more important things that we saw on Thursday, 
Caleb Killian picks up the win in his start for the Iowa Cubs on Thursday. He throws 86 pitches over five and a thirds innings. He gives up five hits and two earned runs, striking out five. The key number here, Brendan, just one walk. Yeah, it's great to see Killian kind of get that command back. His walk per nine rate in AAA this season going into that star was 4.36. The K per nine was almost 12 batters uh, per game. So it was good that he was getting strikeouts, but uncharacteristically, he was walking a, a lot of guys there. And we saw the command completely escape him in those three starts at the big league level. Now, if you look at Killian and you look at the rest of the options that the Cubs have this season, and even thinking way far ahead now for next season, I need Killian to showcase that he can be at least uh, an opening day type roster guy. So right now they have a decent chance to get innings next season from, for example, Keegan Thompson, Justin Steele, Adrian Sampson, if you want to put him in that mix. Killian is there, but they also have Wisniewski. They also have really digging down, if he's healthy, perhaps also like in the innings next year. If Jordan Wicks and DJ Hurst keep progressing, they're options as well. And then you have Kyle coming back, Marcus is a lock, and maybe a free agent signing or two. We still have Drew Smiley, by the way. We still have Wade Miley coming back uh, for this season, at least, although they'll be getting innings this season. So all of this is to say that Killian needs to get these command issues under control right now because there's a lot of options and for the front office to make informed decisions about who can be a reliable option or a higher probable option to start the season, Killian has to pitch back at Wrigley before the season ends. And we're only, what, seven weeks, eight weeks away. He's got to get this command under control and it's great to see him at least starting to do that in these last couple starts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so DJ Hers also pitches on Thursday, four and two-thirds, one hit, two earned runs, three walks, but eight strikeouts for DJ. Now remember, he's yeah. just graduated to AA Tennessee. So you you know, you know expect Super some, some growing pains and some adjusting to the level, but uh, you know, striking out eight guys at AA when you've been there for a couple weeks is nothing to scoff at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, plenty other going on on Thursday. Chase Schrumpf, Narciso Crook, both homering. Alexander Canario homering again. He had a really nice night overall. Uh, And then someone who is jumping onto people's radar. I know I saw uh, Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation talking about him. Porter Hodge, which sounds like a name, honestly, like from the Sandlot or something like that, uh, for the South Bend Cubs, that is high A. He also pitched on Thursday. He goes five and two-thirds, two hits, one earned run, one walk, and eight strikeouts. He has a 1.17 ERA uh, so far on the season uh, for the South Bend Cubs. So that is pretty good, Brendan. Yeah, very good. The The system seems so healthy right now. You have some leaderboards that are putting the Cubs system around like top five in the league at this point. And there was, it was a slow start this season. So to see the hitting kind of making progress, to see the pitching making progress, Jordan Wicks is at double A, striking out guys, giving up a few homers, but not walking anyone. That's great to see. I'm looking at this pitching depth, and I'm I'm feeling good, right? Now, I, I'm 
optimistic about a lot of guys, and despite the optimism, it comes with a high degree of potential bad because they are young, because they do have to go through these different growing pains and these adjustment phases. But the list I just talked about, 10 guys, 10 starting pitchers that are that are realistically in the picture to get innings next season, Corey. And that's great to see. It's a good feeling. And then you have other guys lower in the levels who could be progressing next season and still uh, forcing their way into the picture for even later towards the end of next season in 2024. So the system finally feels as if it's making ground in an immediate impact way for next season. Yeah, I mean, you know, we said this kind of after you you looked at the trades that they made and looking back at last year, you know, and we didn't even really get into some of those guys. I know you talked about guys like uh, Ben Brown on Tuesday, you know, after the Cubs acquired them. Um, but the, the, the system is in a, a really good place. Um, a lot of these yeah, guys continue nice. to develop. And, you know, this is all happening in the midst of your best prospect, being out with after having back surgery right like imagine how we would feel about this system if brennan davis were you know banging the door down to get a call up you know after dominating triple a all year right and i fully expect that once he gets back out there that'll be the case the timeline has just been pushed back a little bit but you know again for however we got here and what you think of the path that the cubs went on i i think that they 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 had a a particular mission that they set out on to uh, you know complete and i i think that they've done a really nice job in that endeavor which is collecting a ton of talent not not just at one level of this organization you know there is talent playing at you know low a and there is talent playing yeah. at triple a uh, and there's talent in there you know in the dominican republic in right Ar- like in arizona yeah they have a ton of talent all over um Again, how quickly we see that at Wrigley Field, whether they use some of these guys to acquire major league talent for teams going forward, you know, to make big trades and, you know, swing, uh, you know, future deals for guys like Juan Soto, if situations like that come up in in future years, you know, it all remains to be seen. Um, But, you know, the reading on on Twitter, this was, you know, Thursday was one of those nights where there was just like so much to pay attention to in the minor league system. It just had the feel of like, okay, there's a lot of names on these lists and a lot of it is going really well. Uh, you know, this is kind of one of those nights you you look back on in a few years. You know, remember that night where all these different guys who are now <laughs> at Wrigley Field, you know, had a big night? Yeah. Maybe we don't see all of them at, at Wrigley Field, but it, it this this is what you want, right? They went down this path. Absolutely, it, it's you know their system seems very out. healthy. Yeah, I mean it's working out the way at least right now Jed hoped it would work out. He even talked about that in his uh, in his press conference before the finale in St. Louis. But let's go ahead and preview these upcoming game games against the uh, Miami Marlins. Friday, back at Wrigley Field, traditional 1.20 p.m. afternoon start time. Justin Steele pitching for the Cubs. 
that game, he's 4-7 and seven, the 3.86 ERA. The Marlins have not announced a starter that game. They have announced a starter for Saturday. That's another afternoon start time. Pablo Lopez getting the ball for Miami. He's 7-6 and six with a 3.41 ERA. Drew Smiley out there for the Cubs, 3-6, and six, a 4.42 ERA. On Sunday, Adrian Sampson gets another opportunity out of the rotation. He's 0-2 this season with a 3.74 ERA. Jesus Lizardo from Miami, he's 2-4 with a 3.97 ERA. Marlins, 48-57. and 57. Cubs, I don't want to read the record, 20 games plus below 500. That's all you need to know. Uh, what you're looking for. Patrick Wisdom, first base, how often that's going to happen. We hear about the platoon matchups, McKinstry, third base. David Ross did say he's curious about Christopher Morrell on the left side of the diamond more. I'm thinking third base, maybe spelling Nico because Nico is going through his first full season. Perhaps you see more Morrell at shortstop. And then the bullpen, Corey. the, The bullpen is completely remade and there might be more guys coming up um, in the next series to supplement this team we did see for example we saw Sean Newcomb get a start although he got hit in the hand unfortunately stay tuned for that if he has to be placed in the IL maybe someone else comes up we've seen Matt Swarmer pitch for the Cubs this season he may come back up he's been good in Iowa we may even be surprised we may even see Brendan Little, Brian Hudson, Cam Sanders, Ben Leeper, but kind of make an appearance appearance in the next few weeks here. Uh, so there's more potential bullpen guys, and we've seen the ones that are able to make the most of their potential, they get traded like Scott Efros for a potential six-year starting pitcher in Hayden Wisniewski. So it's really important from my perspective to get a few more bullpen looks here from those guys in AAA. Yeah, I I think that about says it all, really. I mean, the thing for me on Friday uh, is Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Any and him, but it's Wilson. Eh. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Wilson spoke to the media, I think, between the games of the doubleheader on Thursday. We had a nice clip from our guy, Ryan Herrera who was there in St. Louis. Uh, and of course, you can find all his work at allchgo.com when you sign up to become a member. Really good quote, which I think is a good place to leave this podcast. Brendan and I will be back with you on Sunday. But uh, if you're listening to this pregame on Friday, this quote from Wilson, I'm glad that I get to go back to Wrigley Field where everything started and get to play in front of the best fan base in baseball. At first plate appearance, Brendan, go. Oof, it's, it's going to be electric. That's going to be electric it stuff. Is. You know, the vibes are still kind of weird, right? Because like now we're just on this like couple month countdown to maybe going through this process again. Uh, but <laughs> Wilson was really happy, you know, after, you know, taking the field after the deadline had passed when he was still in a Cubs uniform. And I, I have a very strong feeling that the... Uh, Wrigley faithful are going to be very, very happy that they get to go to the game on Friday and the rest of this weekend and see number 40 playing for the Chicago Cubs uh, with Contreras on the back of that jersey. So that should be uh, a fun moment at Wrigley Field in the midst of a not-so-fun season. Uh, and as we've been talking about with the rest of the CHGO Cubs crew, uh, the Cubs marching towards trying to win 63 games this season so that they can avoid a triple-digit loss season. Uh, that would be nice, Brendan. Uh, 
playing teams like the Marlins, who are just, you know, a handful of games better than you. Uh, You know, these are the important series if you're looking at things in that regard. But, uh, hey, at the end of the day, does any of that really matter? Probably not. Nope. So uh, that's what we have for you. Um, Look for Luke and Cody, and I believe Jared will be at the ballpark. Uh, Ryan's got to drive back from St. Louis. Uh, So Jared Willis, our guy, will be there at Wrigley Field. They will have you for postgame and the game coverage. We thank you for your support of CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. As I mentioned before, if you are a Bears fan, our CHGO Bears crew has been live at training camp. They are gearing up for a big season for the Bears, and their coverage is going to be really, really good. Uh, So if that is your jam, be sure to check that out and everything else going on at CHGO. Brennan and I will be back with you on Sunday. And as always, we thank you for listening to the CHGO Cubs podcast. And as always, go Cubs.